Okay, I'd like to start the sermon today with a little bit of music trivia. I'm going to recite some lines from this lyrics here, and I'd like you to, from this 80s song, I'm going to raise your hand if you think you know the name of the song. I bet you don't. Pretty popular song, though. Crying on the corner, waiting in the rain. I swear, I swear I'll never, ever wait again. You gave me your word, but words for you are lies. Darling, in my wildest dreams, I never thought I'd go, but it's time to let you know. Anybody think they know it? All right, well, this is going to help. I'm going to do the chorus now. Now I'm going to harden my heart. I'm going to swallow my tears. I'm going to turn and leave you here. How many know it now? In fact, I just said the song title. Harden my heart. Now, I bet nobody knows, even though now that you know the song, some of you will never guess the group. It's like a one-hit wonder. Quarter Flash was the name of the group. Yeah. So I want to talk about the hearts a second. I don't know much about our physical hearts, but I know they're essential to life. Some of you may have even lost loved ones. Probably most of us have lost loved ones due to heart problems. And the truth is our hearts can literally turn hard. Again, I don't know much about this stuff, but apparently enough calcium can build up in your heart that becomes a little bit more like bone from what I read. Not a good thing. And you know what things that cause that to happen is high cholesterol, right? So the next time you eat french fries, you'd be hardening your heart, just, just like the song says, harden your heart. So this is our second week of our sermon series, Waking the Walking Dead. Kind of sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? Last week we talked about different types of beings in the Old Testament. We talked about even a place where dead people go, and that's Sheol is a place of the dead in the Old Testament. It's just one place where everybody goes. That's what they believed back then. Talked a little bit about angels. I even told a ghost story last week because there's one in 2 Samuel. But mostly we talked about bones last week because God gave Ezekiel a vision about his people, the nation of Israel. Because God was seeing his people basically as dead people needing new life. So Ezekiel's get this vision and he, he knows that these people are physically alive, but they're really dead spiritually. They were just, in a sense, a pile of bones. And Ezekiel sees this vision of them come back to life, and it says in Ezekiel 3, 7, 4, he says, And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. So today we're going to switch and kind of finish up a little bit more with the Old Testament and start to head into the New Testament. The theology started to change. Beliefs started to change in the New Testament. In most of the Old Testament, they believed in one place, Sheol, for the the dead to go to. In the New Testament, it is for certain two places, heaven and hell. In the Old Testament, they didn't talk too much about Um, demons and stuff like that. It was mostly just the good angels. But in the New Testament, you see a lot more about the the dark angels as well. You see that dichotomy more in the New Testament, heaven and hell, angels and devils. 
you get a lot more of that good and bad type of extreme. So, the Old Testament doesn't talk, you know, I use the passage about bones. In the New Testament, the, the, the internal organ that they always seem to talk about in the New Testament is the heart. We still have a lot to learn about the heart and how it works. Frankly, I still don't know whether it's an organ or a muscle. Bill, do you want to try to answer? It's an organ and a muscle. Apparently, that's what we know about the heart. We still don't know anything about the heart. So let me quote an Old Testament verse before we move on to the New Testament. It comes from Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, I guess I can't discount the possibility that Solomon is giving us medical advice. But we have always interpreted this as spiritual wisdom, and rightly so. Just as the heart is the central of our physical lives, biblical writers often use it to describe the center of our spiritual lives. Many times, not always, but many times, the heart and the soul are used interchangeably in the Bible. It is the center of our being in which everything else flows from. And so in that way, the heart, in a sense, is the fulcrum in our lives. And just as God would remove the heart of stone in, in his nation, in, in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, he wants to give us new hearts as well. We are called to love God with our whole heart. Paul expresses this thought in his letter to Ephesians. This is the main passage for this morning. Ephesians three sixteen through 19, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, man, you just read those words over and over again. So Paul prays for two things that his people will give his people full hearts in this passage. Number one, he prays that God would strengthen them with the power of the Spirit. And number two, that they might comprehend the fullness of the love of God. Wow, now that's a recipe. How would you like to have those in your life in abundance? Power of the Spirit and to comprehend the fullness of the love of Christ. This is what we need to be about. This is what we need to strengthen ourselves in, that we need to ask God for. Because the bottom line is, and I know we don't like to think this in everyday human language, but our hearts are naturally selfish. They're naturally, if I can go so far as to say, wicked. That's what your heart will do if left to its own means. Without Jesus, without the Spirit. And our lives are going to be dictated by the choices we make to empower or not to empower our hearts. It sounds simple, doesn't it? It isn't. 
Every day we make choices to care for our literal hearts. That's hard enough to do, isn't it? Hard enough to choose the right food. I like french fries. Each day our hearts reap what we sow spiritually as well. You know, each week I get the privilege of talking to some high school students on Wednesdays during their lunch hour in a group in a, in a club called Impact. I heard a couple girls tell me their story last Wednesday. I want to share a little bit from one of them. One of them is living with her older brother. She can't deal with her stepdad. Her real dad was an addict, but at least he was nice. This is her story. Her younger sibling is mentally, physically handicapped. She has tried a number of times to get her life back on track. In fact, I've seen her get her life back on track over the last couple of years. But she keeps falling back into old habits. And she tells me as honestly as she can this last Wednesday, right now, I just don't care. Wow. Have you ever been there? I can't say I really blame her. In the past, I've tried to share with her about God, believes in her, wants to give her hope. But today I try a different approach. I'm trying to learn not to preach too early on in a relationship, friendship. So I share with her my struggles. And how I have a hard time keeping my heart right. I realize I have a much easier life than she does. But you know, she and I both agreed, it is not always the the person with the hardest life who has the hardest time keeping their heart from being hard. You can have the hardest life and still choose to not have that heart hardened. You can have a pretty easy life and still choose to harden that heart. So I shared with her, I go, okay, I realize my life is easier than yours, but I struggle to keep my heart fully alive. For me, the problem is different than hers. I get really sometimes struggle with the doldrums of life. The routine. No real excitement. No major successes. It's not, I don't usually choose not to care like she does. It's just that life for me seems like there's nothing to care about or nothing really changes, and that's discouraging. So I start, my heart starts to harden. I don't choose it like she does, but it still starts to get there. So here the two of us sit. This teenage girl who wants not to care and a middle-aged man who struggles to see how caring makes any difference. What's your struggle? How does your heart get hardened? Because I'm certain there's a way it can happen to you like it happens to me and it happens to her. I do know this. I have tried her path in my life and it doesn't work. I don't think 
but I know this sounds weird, crazy, double negative here, but you can't not care. You can tell yourself, I, I don't care. You can hide yourself in depression or anger or whatever, and you can say, I don't care anymore. But I don't believe you. Because you will care. One way or another, you will care. So for me, I'm trying hard to lean on the truths pointed out in Ephesians and beyond as my hope. Because I know I'm in a battle. My hope is that Christ might dwell in my heart in this way, through faith. The Greek word for dwell in this passage, I think is pronounced kedokio, and it's only used three times by Paul in his writings, and it means a permanent dwelling. We must learn that our hearts will naturally calcify unless we get the healing power of His Spirit in our lives. As we need our hearts to be a permanent home for Christ, where the Spirit can give us power to overcome ourselves, fallen world, the enemy, because I have a tendency under my own, my own natural abilities to harden my heart. Different, maybe, than you harden your heart, but I harden my heart sometimes. Even by creating it to be numb is my first step to harden my heart. Paul is praying for a cleansing work of God. It's not just a one-time deal. It's not an annual checkup. It's not an annual every day. I don't know about you, but I'm a terrible morning person when the alarm goes off. I, I, you know, you tell, me those, you tell me there are people out there that when their alarm goes off, they're just, woohoo, happy. I don't get you. Because when my alarm goes off, it's the blanket over my head. I don't want to get up. And that's just a small thing. But when... When, when, when life happens in full force, when betrayal hits, when physical pain hits, when grief hits, when anger hits, hardship come my way, the condition of my heart, the condition of your heart will be tested. My hope is that every day I keep my heart open to God's Spirit. And I begin to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. This is my hope. I got no plan B. This is his word. And it's the battle we face against a cold heart. So I want you to hear the words from Proverbs 4.23 one more time. It's such a simple verse that sometimes we don't really own it. We don't really take it in to our hearts. So hear it one more time. 
and own it yourself. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward while I ask you a couple more questions. Is anyone here today struggling with a hard heart? It might be even just one person or one thing that you have a hard heart about. It might be just life has become hard and you've become calloused up a little bit. It can happen. You're human. You don't have to feel unusual if that happens to you. It is easily to let it happen. It easily happens. What I'm saying to you this morning is don't stay lingering in that. Don't let it become harder. I invite you this morning to come to God and ask for a new heart, a new, a new desire to have a, a softened heart. If you want to come this morning during at some point in the song, you can come to the altar, you can come sit if you don't like the, the knees. And then afterwards I'm going to pray for those people with heart problems, spiritual heart problems. And I'd like to lift you up if you're struggling at all with that. Let us stand, let us sing, and let us respond with the Lord as you as you are directed by His Spirit. Almighty God, our hearts are dependent upon You. There's so much beyond our control. They just slip into bitterness at times. They slip into negative thinking. They slip into anger. That's what our hearts do, Lord. But you don't leave us there. You guide us and you fill us and you dwell in us that our hearts may be made new and we may learn to love you with our whole heart. Guide us this day knowing that your love is so much greater than what our hearts even know at this moment. And that we can grow in that love and be changed by that love. I ask this all in your name. Amen. I'm asking Betty to close with the devotion that she came across that seemed to be fitting for this morning. So I'm going to have her close with reading that. There was a reason this verse, uh, this devotion really hit me. After running through streams of freedom, my husband and I had a spat the other night. 
we said some things we shouldn't have said. God really convicted me. I had to go into prayer for forgiveness from him, and then I had to forgive my husband and ask him to forgive me. And then I was reading this devotion, and it was right between the eyes, I'll tell you. It's really good. This was from November 1st. Do not be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart's desire is to be aware of my presence continually. This is a lofty goal. You aim toward it but never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. First of all, I am delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through your life. I am pleased each time you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress you have made since you first resolved to live in my presence. When you realize that your mind has wandered away from me, don't be alarmed or surprised. You live in a world that has been rigged to distract you. Each time you plow your way through the massive distractions to communicate with me, you achieve a victory. Rejoice in these tiny triumphs, and they will increasingly light up your days. I thought that was so apropos with today's sermon. Thank you. Have a good week, my friends. Guard your heart.